Hey guys, welcome to season number two of Hangout Talks. This is episode number 12. We are super excited and so, so ready to start the season off strong. This is Peter, the student marketer, and I'm with Tret, Mr. Goodall. Today, we have Jean Sebastian, the CEO and co-founder of Suitably, one of North America's best innovative custom clothiers based out of Canada. Today, we're hanging out and talking about success is not done alone, support system and having your parents at inspiration. Does the passion, quote unquote, make ends meet? When do you truly reach entrepreneurship? Does the money you make pay for your living? Remember, do have your vision, but you don't have to get there all in one day. John Sebastian will tell you why. Without further ado, let's hang out. All right, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. We're to our hangout today. We have JS, and I'm saying JS because I'll let him introduce his full name for you and say it properly for you. Uh, well, JS is always struggling to find a perfect fit when it came to career. Having to balance tradition and family expectations with his passion for entrepreneurship was something he can constantly have to deal with. There's no longer the case. Suitably has been the engine that has allowed for JS to pursue his passion for fashion, business, and technology, but it took years to get there. Man, let's welcome JS. Hey, welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, and thank you for for your time, JS. And uh, yeah, we, I'd love to hear about that name. Like, you got me, got, got yeah. me interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Um, it, it's funny that you guys, uh, everybody asks me, how do I say your name? Because obviously, um, most of North America is English-speaking, uh, but I live in Montreal, and Montreal is French-speaking. Um, okay. And so my name is uh, Jean-Sébastien, so it's actually a French name. Um, and, you know, I'll get into the story of how that came, came to be. But um, in my past life, when I used to interview for positions, every time I'd enter into interviews and stuff like that, people would always assume with my name that, you know, they, they were expecting a tall six-foot blonde blue-eyed guy. <laughs> and I'd walk in, you know, five-eight, five, you know, short you know, Asian guy. And it's always, it's, it's always fun to sort of see the reactions of people when you, you walk in and it's a little bit different than what they expect. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it's a French name. I mean, I think both of you are Vietnamese. You understand that uh, we do have, you know, French, some French uh, in, in our, in our history. Um, and so my parents, my mother is Vietnamese um, and my father is Chinese, but he was born in, on the Island of Mauritius. I don't know if you guys are familiar. It's an Island yeah. in the Indian ocean. And they speak French there too. So they did meet in Montreal and they gave, uh, I don't think, uh, I think they couldn't agree on a name. So they just said, let's give them a French name. <laughs> there you go. It, it works out well though. In a way, it, play, it plays in your favor. It's a good conversation starter, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's gotten me through the awkward moments. No, it's really cool. Like you walk into the interview and they're like, hey, oh, no, 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 not you. Go grab the other guy. Go grab the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, wait. Wait, you? I'm, <laughs> I'm the only one here. <laughs> it's me. Nice. And just speaking, because you kind of touched on it, like speaking about going to job interviews and kind of jumping in. You're an engineer by, by trade, right? You started off going to school for engineering, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, so... Uh, actually, Jeremy, who's my co-founder at Suitably, uh, and I were both engineers. And I think I think a lot of um, I speak for a lot of Asians, and I guess it, it, you know a lot of immigrants in general. Um, when I say that, you know, when you come 
when when you when you come to U, the U.S. or Canada, um, your level of risk or your appetite for risk is very low. And so, you know, when we were growing up, you know, our parents were like, well, you're going to be either a doctor, a lawyer, uh, or an engineer. And, you know, when you're too young to really understand or realize what, what you're, you're applying to study at the time. And so, you know, at the time we said, okay, well, you know, there was the whole tech boom at the time. So I went to university uh, at McGill between 1998 and 2002, right? So that was a tech boom and the crash at the end. So uh, we, I did end up studying in engineering. Jeremy did so as well, but I'd say we weren't great engineers <laughs> overall. We were pretty crappy engineers. No, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I'm, I'm a business marketer by trade, but going to school, you're like, oh, I, I did it. Yeah. Like, it's like you're, yeah, I think you're, our, you're the crazy, yeah. like Elon Musk status. Not, not, not to that. Yeah, point. I think, I think, I think, uh, you know, I find that, that choosing a career at 17, 18 years old, it's so young to really know what you're going to do. And even when you're studying what you're studying, the reality of it after you're done is, you know, you, and studying engineering is completely different from practicing it. Just like I'm sure, you know, studying law is completely different than practicing it. So um, it's so hard. And I think, I think, um, and that's probably the reason why the trend of changing jobs every three to five years sort of exists in North America now where people want to do different things all the time. No, absolutely. And it's true. Cause I mean, like you hit, hit it on the spot. Cause I was 18, decided to jump to pharmacy. I'm like, Oh, the money's there. It's safe. It's secure. Make the folks happy, jumped into it. And then I started shadowing a bunch of pharmacies, like facilities, clinics. I'm like, Oh, man, like, it's totally different. I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. So yeah. like, and, but the more I got into it, the more I just crashed and burned. So I was like, okay, I'm right after that first year and a half, I'm like, I, I can't do this. I had to switch. No, I completely get you. I wanted, you know, studying engineering, it, it was boring. All you're doing is math all the time. Uh, <laughs> and you're not really seeing the application, right? You're just doing, yeah. I remember you, you get into an exam and you're answering and you're writing these equations that are like three or four pages long. And at the end of the day, you're like, well, when am I ever going to use this? Um, so here we are today. I would have never, you know, expected to be where, you know, to be doing what we're doing today. How did that lead you guys to suitably? But I would say luck. Um, you know, you never sort of like understand your, I mean, careers are long, right? Everybody's career spans anywhere between, you know, 10 years to 50, 60 years, right? We never stop working. And, you know, so no one ever plans for that. So um, I actually started off as an engineer. So I worked about uh, five, six years in telecom and I was a consultant for Ericsson. And that's how I, I, we were speaking about languages earlier and that's how I speak Spanish and a little bit of Portuguese. Uh, I actually spent about four of those six years traveling in um, mostly Latin America. So I picked up my Spanish while I was there and doing a lot of like business as a consultant um, overseas. And it got to a point where I said, you know, like we got to make a change. And, and uh, I, w I went and did my, my MBA uh, at a school in Montreal here. And then I was hired after that in business development um, and, you know, wearing suits all day long, uh, working in sales, having to dress up. And I realized that there were no um, affordable and accessible solutions for custom, custom made. And I, I don't like to shop. You know, I don't, I think there's a lot of guys that don't like to shop and oh, probably even more guys now with what's going on with COVID. So, 
you know, I want, I said, you know, at the, the, the vision was always to be able to make something that was accessible online and always um, configurable without having to break the bank. So that was sort of the idea, you know, and, and when we had that idea, we also knew we didn't want to just go at it right away and crash and burn. So it took, mm-hmm. it took time. It took a good two years to really understand everything there was to know about, you know, suits and, what, what goes behind making a suit and understanding our customers. Uh, and that's, that's very true, especially I, I'm glad you guys did that because a lot of people kind of, especially in the industry that we have now, they just jump right in without understanding their market in a way. They're just like, oh, simple enough. I'll jump in. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's funny because I watched a lot of my peers and I watch TV, right? Shark Tank and all this stuff. And I think what's become very fashionable is just, you know, who, who raises the most money and how many rounds are you raising mm-hmm. uh, and how many ra- rounds are you going through for raising money? I also think that, that what that does is it creates an environment of perpetually raising money, mm-hmm. right? You, what you're doing is you're doing it all the time and yeah. you're never really building a good business model. So what you're doing is you're honing on your, you're perfecting your presentation skills, you're perfecting your PowerPoint skills. And all you're doing is you, you become somebody that raises money for a company that you haven't really sat down and taken the time to, you know, tweak that business model. So when we decided to start suitably and we said, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to borrow any money um, because you don't either, you don't own your company anymore at some point because you're just borrowing so much. Uh, or, you know, you, you stop being the main decision maker for your company. We, we said, let's grow our company by reinvesting our money and doing things the traditional way, right? Like our ancestors, our parents, I mean, Vietnamese are very strong at entrepreneurship. And what they did was they just <laughs> worked hard, you know. Um, Kevin, you know, one thing that always stuck to me listening to entrepreneurs talk was, you know, Kevin Plank. I don't know if you guys are yeah. familiar with him, but he's yeah, the CEO of, of Under Armour. Um, whatever yeah. it may be with Under Armour today, one thing that he said that really stuck with me when he started Under Armour, and you have to remember, he went up against Nike at the time. Yeah, you know, this, I heard that story. It's right. He said, if you if if you need to raise money, why don't you just go out and sell more shirts? Right, yeah. and that's what we did. We said, if you need to raise this much money, why don't you just go out and sell more? Mm-hmm. You know, and and validate your your business and validate your business model while you're doing it. So and then that's through sort trial of like, and error too. And you kind of learn yeah. along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know if you're profitable when all, all you know, banks or VC venture capital, uh, you're getting all this VC money. It's hard to know because everybody's sort of gambling on you and it's like either a hit or miss and they're not giving you that time. They're giving you like a three to five year time frame where they you need to sort of like explode or bust. And, oh, and they're breathing down your neck the whole time. And if you're trying to build like a sustainable where you're building relationships with people, it absolutely mm-hmm. destroys that because you're like, okay, because they're, they're, you have investors, angel investors, mm-hmm. capitalists breathing down your neck. You have to make the profit or you're losing everything. That's right. And, and we're still being approached today, right? In today's mm-hmm. world. So we are getting a lot more media, a lot more press today, and we're being approached. I think we're in a much better position now to get funding or get money because We've got proven revenues, proven profits, no debt. We're in a good position to borrow money. I still don't know if we want to do it. So it's, you know, 
everything has a price. So we're sort of, we'll evaluate whatever comes in, but um, yeah. So that's sort of like how we, we, we did it. We just sweat through our own sweat and tears. Like, was there kind of like a motivation when you kind of like wanted to jump in or like yeah. the, you guys, like a push is, to give you guys crazy. to start? Like when, when I, you know, left uh, my previous job, my wife was pregnant and, you know, we were expecting our first child. So it, it's crazy to think that you would quit a job to jump in and go 100% into something when you're, you're starting a, a family. So it was risky at the time. It was scary at the time. Um, but we ended up, you know, doing okay. And, and, um, one thing I always say is you need a strong support system, right? So you need, my parents were coming and helping to babysit. So, you know, success is never, those who claim that success is done alone. It's very rare that it's done alone. You need a strong support system. You need a, you know, family that's able to come in and help out when you need a wife that's supporting of what you do. It's a lot of factors that go into it. No, no, I, I agree with that. My voice gave out for a minute. <clears throat> but yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. Cause it's like, uh, there's a point where you're like, when you're single, you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, it's me against all this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to prove it. And, but like, as you go along, like, and it's very true. Like you need that support system. You need that strong person by you. Uh, and, and then like the timing's never right. Like you mentioned, like you're going through that timing. You're like, I'm going to do it. But like the timing all around, like with living into like the, the Vietnamese value of working hard and being secured and stuff like that. It's like, sometimes it clashing against that because you're like, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you're good. Everything's good. Why, why you want to like rock the boat? Like that kind of thing. Um, and, and like, speaking of challenges, like I, I, I know there has to be a lot of challenges during that part, right? When you're like, all right, I'm doing it. Let's go. Is there other challenges like you found like? Lots of challenges, tons of challenges. Um, when you're an unproven brand, um, imagine your first customer, right? You're, unfortunately, you're, you can't tell your first customer they're your first customer. You know, it sort of like kills everything. So, you know, it's everything. And when you start as an entrepreneur, the challenges of having to balance work, life, uh, you, you make that sacrifice, um, where I would, you know, you're used to sort of having a, a paycheck when you work for a company. So the whole mindset itself has to change, you know, expecting every a paycheck every two weeks suddenly goes down the drain. Yeah. And yeah. you know, we, I saved money and I think it's in our value in my, it was in my values to sort of save money. So you're used to your account sort of like accumulating and growing with time and then suddenly when you're on your own you're basically bur you're, you're burning you're just burning cash through the whole time so that's a challenge and how do you you know one of the another challenge is how do you make how do you make sure that burning cash doesn't impact your decisions in the negative way because we always make decisions based on what we currently see but it's hard to make decisions on you know where, where do you see yourself um so so those are some of the the first challenges when we first uh, started, then there's the challenges of, you know, hiring people, finding good people that care about your company the way you do. No one will ever care about your company the way you do. So, you know, those are challenges that we're, what we see today. And then obviously, where do you, how much do you pay yourself versus how much do you put back in your company? Right. Mm, so at some point you have to start reaping the benefits, but 
if you know that you can turn a dollar into five dollars, you know, you might slow that payment to yourself a little bit, right? Because you're like, well, I don't, I don't need, I just need to eat, breathe, pay my mortgage. You know, we can, COVID is teaching people to live, you know, uh, very on basic spending. You don't need to eat at the restaurant every day. You can cook, you can do a lot of things. And so if you know that you can spend $1 and make five, you're going to be smarter with how you reinvest your money in your company. So there's all those challenges of, do you want to have fun now and, and enjoy life now? Or do you put hold a hold to some projects? So it's, there's that. And then obviously um, the challenge of, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, one of the things is that everybody now, nowadays wants to be an entrepreneur um, by having, let's say an Instagram account. But it, in my mind, the way that when you really become an entrepreneur, it's the day that the money that you're making pays for your bills and not doesn't pay just for your bills, but pays for your kids, for your home, for your, all those, you know, large uh, expenses that you have, right? So that to me, obviously you get started as an entrepreneur, you're, you don't make that much money, but you really become an entrepreneur and you can say you're an entrepreneur once what you're doing is sustainable and it pays for your living. So that, that's, that's the sort of like challenge that I, I, I challenge a lot of entrepreneurs to, to, to think through is how, how do you think of your business so that it's sustainable for the long run and that it makes money because a lot of times I, I do a lot of university chats and talks and a lot of young people ask me all the time. I'm, I, I'm older than I look, uh, but no, a lot it's of all young good. people it's all good. Ask, know. You got the good Asian genes, man. About <laughs> yeah. We got that for like uh, lot, at least 20 more years. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like downhill, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah no, right. My parents say once you hit 50, that's when everything just shoots down. <laughs> All of a sudden, we get shorter. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's shorter, <laughs> and then, like, beard gets white, and, like, my, my you know, my birthmarks, you know, it's, yeah. it's a whole thing. We, we complain but, but, a lot more and stuff like that. <laughs> that's right. So, like I was saying, when I speak at a lot of universities, a lot of students ask me about entrepreneurship. And I, I, I know there's a lot of people and entrepreneurs that use the whole thing about do something that you're passionate about. I agree. Do something that you like and do something that you're passionate about. But I prefer to say, do something that you, you're going to learn to be passionate about. Because if there's a lot of people that, for example, like insects, I'm just going to say it, it, just a random topic. Yeah. You like insects. But at some point, if you're working on promoting insects for three years and it hasn't paid your bills, you're not going to like insects anymore. You're going to be, right? I know it's a bad yeah, example, yeah. but you're not no, no, going to no. like it's it true. anymore. It's true. And because when you're struggling to pay your bills and your insects are not bringing in the money that you're supposed to bring in, um, it, it, you, you, that's no longer your passion. Your passion is going to be like making ends meet, right? So that's the sort of thing is you have to do something that can be monetized at the end of the day because you will learn to get better at what you do and you're going to get a passion for it in the little things, right? Like, uh, it, you know, if you like, you know, media and podcasts, you're going to get a passion for the little things that make it what it is. Like, for example, you guys were talking about getting a mic, a new mic and things like that. You suddenly yeah. probably become passionate as hell about sound and the way that things sound. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just those little 
passions that come along the way as you build your business. I think that's really important, you know, for young entrepreneurs. No, that's, no, that, that's an awesome point. That's that, very that, true. Cause I think like for me, like I've built a, a neural marketing company as my, as my marketing background, but it, like you said, like I did it for a while, but as I got into it, I was like, man, the investors I was working with, like the tech, the idea was a great idea. Like any idea is a great idea, but then when you actually do it, like, you're like, man, this, this drains me. Am I, you, you actually see like that passion has a limit. You love what you do. Don't make me wrong, but does it pay the bills? Does it really make you feel financially happy with yourself or you feel like you've created something that you want to pass on and overall looking at the bigger picture, you saw the things that you're like, no, like this isn't, this isn't what I wanted it to become. So you have to be realistic with yourself and it's kind of like, not just like look at like, Oh, well, it's going to make, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. It's my passion. Yeah, I mean, we hear, we always hear about the, the, the guys who've, who've, you know, battled through, we, we always hear about that and that's, that's all good. And that's great. Yeah, but you don't hear the hardship side of yeah. it. Like the, the downs, like the, when the investor breathes down your neck or when you're like struggling to speak in front of a client about like, what's, what's your biggest like competitor? Or, like what, what makes you different? Like things like that. And then even yourself, like dealing with employees, the technology, you don't hear those frustrations. They kind of like let that trickle off or, they don't, they don't tell you about those challenges. So I think that's big. And speaking of challenge wise, you, you got, you were like guys were a mobile tailor for like about two years. Right. And how, how, how was that? Like, would you, would you say yeah. that's one of the sweat and tears and blood, sweat and tears, I should say that you guys had to do. That's a great, years? that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it, it sort of ties in perfectly with the, the, the stuff that we were talking right just before mm-hmm. a lot of times in, in entrepreneurship, people want to skip steps. Right. So just to give you an example, if you have a restaurant, uh, people throw in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to make the restaurant look like the way it's supposed to be before having even sold one dish. And so you're already in crazy debt because you've invested on nice glasses and nice, you know, forks and all this stuff when it wasn't necessarily necessary at the beginning. And so that all goes in to say that when we started the company, we knew where we wanted to, to be. We knew the vision. We knew we wanted to incorporate technology, but we also knew we couldn't just do it right away. Right? It'd be nice to be able to stand up in front of a customer and say, hey, I have a nice storefront and a nice showroom and an office and you can get measured. Yeah, but it would have cost us a lot of money and we were, weren't selling. So we sort of said, well, look, let's do things the right way and start the right way. And it sucks if you're, if we're going to have to be in the car at 7 PM driving in the snow or driving in the rain with bags of fabric going to customers' homes. And that's what we got to do. And it was a, it was a, it was a, a shocker for us because, you know, I had a career at that point and I had quit. So I had my sec, my secretary, my, my administrative assistant. So I wasn't used to like having to do all these like, things myself so again it was humbling but we sort of understood that we you know we would go to people's homes and get this customers sometimes didn't buy so i you know you could be on a friday night going to somebody's home drive half an hour an hour to get there show your stuff and then half an hour later the customer's like nah you know what not interested and you're driving home alone like you wasted all your time you wasted you could have spent time with your kids and family and you didn't so 
you know, but at the end of the day, we knew where we wanted to go. And it had, and, and we, but we didn't know necessarily the technology and how it would all tie it together. Right. But we knew that we wanted to do tie it all together. And so looking back today, it's like, oh, wow, that made sense. So we, we learned so much in measuring people. We learned so much in having discussions with people. Every time we would meet a customer, that was basically our way to, it was like a free survey for us to understand everything. Um, and so we did that and we didn't have any office for the first two years. Then we moved into literally a closet. It was smaller than a walk-in. So we had a nice website and for the people that wanted to book appointments, they would open the door and it would literally walk into a six foot by six foot room. And it was <laughs> shocking. And when I think about that today, it's like, Oh my, I can't believe that we did that. So we had like our humble beginnings and, and we, but we learned, uh, we learned a tremendous amount uh, and we had that vision. So it's just, I guess, you know, for any people that are, are listening, I think one important thing is you have your vision. You don't need to get there all in one day, right? VCs and Shark Tank and all these, everything you see in the media, they make you think that you have to get there tomorrow. And because they need to get there tomorrow, they're lending you money. They want to see an immediate return on investment. On our end, we said we were, we were patient with it and we built, we wanted to build, build our company the right way. And so when we, you have to be able to live with things that are not perfect at the beginning but you continuously small steps every day. You get better, you get better, you get better. Yeah. Damn. That, that shoot, we could have ended right there on the whole podcast. It's like, like, yeah, just listen to that part. Or listen to JS pronounce his whole name first and then listen to that part. (laughs) (laughs) But like talking about like work ethic, like it's two years and and it wasn't easy. Like, like you said, it wasn't easy. And do you think like that work ethic was that work? work ethic instilled in you by the parents or was it like that something you always had? Um, I have, I think I have the work ethic, uh, but I have the, I'm more, I would say I'm more competitive than, than in terms of being, you know, having that quality is probably stronger than having a work ethic. I work hard, okay. no doubt, you know, six days, seven days a week in the first few years and t- you countless hours. But in the first few years, one thing that you have to also adapt to in being an entrepreneur is that you're not busy in the first three months. I mean, you're, you're, we're so used to going to useless meetings in companies and in the corporate world that suddenly when you're not, you get everything done within three to four hours in, the, in your own company at the beginning, you're like, I'm not busy enough. What am I supposed to do? There's nothing to do. Well, guess what? It's because you've made the decisions and didn't have to make all these pitches and presentations to convince people to give you money, for example. So, uh, so in the beginning you're busy, but not that busy. And then you get busier. And then, so the work ethic has to be there. But I think the one thing that gets me going and the one thing that continues to push me and, uh, and also my, my co-founder in terms of, you know, working hard is we can't stand being number two. Can't stand it. It, Can't stand it. We will not stop until we get to, you know, like if, if there's somebody that has better pricing than us, it doesn't make sense to us. Like how, how is it that we beat them at pricing? If somebody has a better suit than us, we won't sleep until we get a better suit. If somebody is getting their fabrics cheaper than us, we won't sleep. It, 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 it doesn't make sense in our mind. So we have to, we have this sort of mentality that we're ultra competitive. I guess it's in playing sports. Uh, you guys have played sports, oh, but yeah. I just can't. Yeah. Not, I, all right. I, you just, I just have, a, I play harder. 
when I, I'm, I'm down 2-1 or I'm down 100 to 90, I just play harder. And that's, I guess that's sort of like the trait that, that, that Jer and I were, were blessed with is we're, we don't, we don't want to be number two. No, which is good trait. Like it's a huge like part of like motivation. I know for me, like just this past summer, like I've just been working out and I was like, I'm so fat. Like I, I have like, the beginning of the summer, I'm gained weight. I'm like, man, like what's going on? And I went, I looked at like just a few friends that are like working out. I'm like, I love y'all, but damn, look at me. I'm, I need to work out. I was like, I can't, this is not me. So I just pushed myself to work, work, work. And I've lost, like, my weight fluctuated like crazy, but still still going good but yeah what's that it's just it's just huge like i think um in in a way like i think we our parents were blessed with that in a way as well with that kind of you know like motivation like we can't be second best you could see with like them opening a lot of them for example open a lot of restaurants and like no like i gotta be able to do something better i gotta be able to there has to be something that differentiates me from the like the competitor or like whoever is, has the other business like that that's a great great motivation was would you say that there's any other that kind of push you forward as well john yeah i mean again for me like i said and we're still num- not number one so that that's what's currently driving me right now you know until i feel that we're number one i'm just i, I just can't stop right like we won't stop so um so yeah but obviously like it goes to uh, your 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 life aspirations. So, um, my parents are getting old; they're in their mid sixties. We wasted a whole year with this stupid pandemic. Um, you know, my my kids are are, are getting older. So, it, I think at the at, at at the end of the day, the motivation. Or how do I make sure that all the care that my parents gave me that it's not too late for me to give that back to them? Because they sacrificed much more than we we can yeah, even it's like imagine. leaving that right? like coming behind. to north america like mm. it's insane their sacrifice is completely on another level and even in today's world in today's time they're still very humble they're still you know they don't expect much out of their life or how they live they still live in their home that we lived in as teenagers like it's uh, so if anything that motivates us how do i how do, how do we use our success to sort of like make it good for them? And, and sometimes, sometimes it's frustrating because time is just, can't stop time. Parents are getting old. You know, it's, it's just that type of thing where it's like, okay, roll up your sleeves, just get it done. Let's continue to push. No, no, absolutely. It's a great story. Cause I, I even, I know it with my parents, they both came here and my mom telling my, the story, my dad had like, like five shirts in his closet. That's it. And then like, he was just like pushing, both of them push and grind to buy their first house. And then from there, provide for all three siblings to go to college. And we're like, wow, like you, like that inspiration that they were willing to grind, put in like 16 hours of work every single day. Now you look back at, at us, you're just kind of, or like our generation, we're like, we always try to find that shortcut or like that secure net. But we never took the risk that, that they that, that they took and it's it's amazing now you look back same story my parents are like in their 60s now and i'm like man what what can i do to, to top that legacy even my grandfather he had a bigger legacy he, he was an author he was an author and i'm an american poet and i'm like 
man, like I can't, I can't top that with everything that they had to deal with back then from racism, from helping immigrants come over to building their own lives. Like it's a huge story on, on its own. And you're like, wow, like, man, <laughs> but to their, to the, to them, like, they're like right up here. And for me, I'm like, oh, I'm like there. I'm, I'm not even halfway. Well, you know yeah. what? I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, that mm-hmm. to be speaking with you guys because I, I get inter- interviewed often in different, you know, let's say more PR settings and more. Uh, I've done a few podcasts uh, local here in Montreal, um, but it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, I think I, it's nice to be doing it with uh, guys who've, whether you like it or not, coming from a similar background, uh, the level of understanding or the level of, we understand the sacrifice that our parents had or made. And that's very refreshing, right? To be able to have that conversation with you guys. And like I said, it's, it's a conversation. It's not an interview. I don't want yeah, to yeah. see it like that way. So, <laughs> so I, I, um, no, it's, it's great to see that you guys are doing it because I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know too much about podcasts, but I do know that like, um, most it's very rare that I see this type of thing going on in our community. No, no. Oh, thank, thank you for that. JS. Like, uh, and like, yeah, we relate and just like, it's funny, like, I, I didn't know that, we didn't know that about you, about the parents being in that age and stuff. And as we go, it's like, we found that relatable because we're, my parents are in the same age range, 60s, 70s. Um, they sacrifice all this much too as well. And then they're, they're still humble. They're still like, they're still grinding. Like they're like, quote unquote, retired when they're like, yeah, I'm retired. But then they're still working, doing something. Like, I don't know if you found the same. And, and just speaking of that, just like, uh, it's great because like, you don't stress the small stuff sometimes. They're like, man, they went through that. I'm going to stress out about having a bad day. I'm, I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to have a bad week. I'm going to have a bad month. Like it happens, but they have like sometimes that bad years and all this are going against them when they're still striving for it. Um, and it, just talking about everything. And like talk, when you talk about bank accounts, I was like, I was looking at my bank account. It's slowly declining too. And like you feel that because that's, um, financial stability is one of our values too as well we hold on to that and then you use the bi-weekly paycheck and that pads it but now like as it's going down we get that little pressure on our end but it, even with that pressure like I think you probably had a moment that you had that you started subly and then you're like this is what we need to be doing and I'm, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life and it, was there a moment that hit you that you're like this is it this yeah. is what I'm doing yeah I, I, yeah um, we've failed before. Um, okay. Jerry and I used to trade, you know, back when I was uh, doing my MBA, we started an investment company and we traded um, options and, and stocks on capital markets. Um, Jeremy became a trader after that for a large um, trading company. And we failed. Like there was the Greek crisis at the time. I don't, I don't think, I don't remember if you, you, if you remember, but Greece was, close to defaulting and they had really uh, their debt was very, very high. And so stock markets were super volatile and that, that swung us around and we were, we called it quits. So we sort of knew. And I remember like my, my, we had lost some money and I still remember the day that I was um, at the bank and my dad had like had savings bonds. Right. And I think that's something that 
our parents do. They have savings and they always have something like a backup plan. And, after, and then the backup plan for the backup plan and a backup plan for that backup plan. <laughs> oh, right? man, so, oh, for sure. So they always had that. And that was like, man, we did, we always had our parents for as our safety net. And it was very embarrassing that day to go to the bank. So um, we learned a lot. And so when we started suitably, there we, we knew that there was the risk that it would not work. Um, but there was that moment, right? There's a, there's a certain moment where you're like, holy smokes, this is working. Like, this is really, really working. Um, we started, you know, getting some really good, like, notoriety reviews. Like, people were talking about us. Like, we were, we were hot in our city. Like, we were the thing. So, uh, at that point, we were like, yeah, this is, it's, I, it doesn't feel like a startup anymore. And again, it, took, it takes time. It was three three and a half years in that we realized it. So um, again, it takes time. And even then we're still a young company. So I, I don't want to say that we're successful yet, but we can, we can say now that like, like, yeah, this is, it's for real now. Like it's, it's, it's the deal. No, and absolutely. And you guys done kind of like a huge accomplishment to going from like engineers in the field and you guys made a huge, a huge leap with what most of us Asians would be say like, you're insane. Like, like why did you jump for such like a huge kind of like jump that you feel so insecure about, you know, but like kind of speaking of that engineering degree, did you use any of that engineering into the business that you guys have now? Cause I, I saw you guys had technology that does like body scans and stuff as well. Right. And you guys, you guys are asking all the right questions. Um, it's, it's amazing it. because a lot of times people are scripted in their questions, but like flowing really well that's a great it's a great question um uh to, to answer your question um you never know and uh, you never know when when or why you do things sometimes and uh it ends up you know that experience ends up benefiting you if you're smart about it uh and so the whole engineering is is a mindset i would say more than technical knowledge because it, Technology moves so quick that whatever you learned 20 years ago is no longer valid. So it's a mindset. It's the analytical skills. It's the attention to detail. It's the calculations. It's, the, it's all those skill sets that you learn in school and as you work. Uh, and so in today's world, you know, like we look at, I don't want to be mean, but I'll be mean. Um, it's all fine. We, it's fine. We're just chatting. <laughs> I mean, the average no tailor is good at what he does, right? Like tailor shops are good at what they do, which is make suits. We're not good at making suits. We're good at business. We're good at what need knowing what needs to be done to run a smooth business and to have good products. So competing in an industry where your average tailor is unfortunately old and near retirement there's virtually no competition there because they're still like trying to put ads on the radio. Not that radio is bad, but people are on listening to Spotify now. Right. So um, it, it's just when you study in engineering, you, you sort of like the technology side of things is important. So you're constantly looking at the latest technologies, the latest tools, the latest things that will make you relevant. And so we think we, we have a pretty good buying experience. I mean, uh, Peter, you're I'm happy to say that you're now a suitably customer, right? So I oh, think absolutely. I think our buying our right. I think our buying experience is pretty cool. Um, I think I think 
you know, it targets guys like you and, and, and I think it, it works well. So I'm just excited for you to see the suit because the way that we build them is, has an engineering touch to it. So yeah, to answer your question, the way that we view things, it's through, it's through a lens, an engineering lens. Yeah. No, and I'm appreciative of that, especially, you know, like helping a fellow Asian out, but also just like that background that you guys have, that story, like it makes me appreciate that because I've gotten suits from a lot of companies, but most at the end of the day, it's either for profit. They don't really care about the customers, really. Or like you said, it's kind of like guys who do want to develop that personal relationship, but it's so hard to communicate with them because they're a whole different generation. And they, they do try their best, but it's just they're going on radio ads, so you never hear of them. But when you go into the store, it's just weird. It's, like, it's kind of like in a corner somewhere that... You didn't expect yeah, well, you know what, you bring up a great point, and I think this is a great, um, to go back to challenges, um, how do you grow a company but remain small? Absolutely. I think that's one of the challenges that we talk about every day. So one of the challenges in growing right now is how do we continue to make it feel for guys like you that we still care about every single one of our customers? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our challenge right now. And so that's why I wanted to make sure that you saw that I was personally overlooking your order. And I'm still overlooking most orders, um, you know, and not stepping away and knowing my customers by first name. Uh, and <laughs> like I said, it's, it's, that's our challenge right now. How do we give it a small business feel while being large? That's, that's our challenge right now. No, and absolutely. And it's a, it's a great challenge to have, especially it's something, especially with all the technology that we have now. I think businesses forget the most important thing is building that relationship and understanding the customers. It's, it's right now, especially with all that entrepreneurship, all the ideas, everyone just keeps thinking about the profits, that revenue. How can I keep the revenue coming in? But they forget that sometimes, well, yeah, we, we all feel you. We want the revenue, but we have to build that relationship. And from there, that one single relationship can just lead to different and revenue streams or if you will that you never thought of like a long-term like relationship yeah i think i think it's part of our dna though right like uh, you you guys have been to vietnam oh yeah many times many times same here same here right like i mean every country in asia is different but one thing that i always hear from people that go to vietnam and i've been there many times too like you guys is the level of service the level level of care of the average person at any market or any store is 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 the best yeah right like you'll eat at a restaurant and there's no coke so the waiter is gonna go run across the street to another store to make sure that you get your coke oh These yeah are, they got run in their flip-flops too they, they don't wear <laughs> yeah. shoes they run in their flip-flops across and it's it's so simple it's so basic right but they're mm-hmm. we're doing it that's a basic example but it's just it, it's a level of i think is part of our DNA too, is like our, our willingness to serve, willingness mm-hmm. to give somebody a good service. Um, Absolutely. And I think it's part of, it's probably part of our cultural DNA. It, no, and it, it's beautiful because like, you know, like even for me, like I remember, I tell a story all the time. I was getting a suit for my grandmother's birthday and it was too tight. And like, she was like, okay, fix it tonight. And it was, this was in Vietnam. He's like, it's not possible. And she gave him this death look like you better. It's my birthday. And he's like, I'll do it right then and there. Like he finished it that night and it's amazing. Like he was like, came 
that night at the party, he's like, here it is. Here you go. And he finished it. And then you're like, wow, like it shows that like that value in a way, like that we are willing to go the extra mile. In the future too, he came to me and he's like, you know, like I'm patient whenever you're ready to come back and get another one. Come back. Like I'm here. I'm always here. I'm always here for you. No, and that part too is like if they don't it's like connecting to hustling, because if you don't hustle and keep pushing, you're not gonna eat. Is that almost that feeling? Like when I even go into like small shops, like you see waiters or everybody just running around real quick, like everything's real fast. Just how it's how they hustle. It's just like just it's very interesting to watch because it's it's inspiring because they um whatever they're wearing, they're they gotta go bust their ass to get you the service you need so that way you can come back and try to and remember your name they're like hey like so and so like this is your table right like come on over you're getting the same thing and i'm like whoa man yeah oh even even if vietnamese people all have the same names but yeah still <laughs> yeah yeah they, like they don't call you by your first name they call you by like their, your last name you're from the the hong family right yeah yeah you're so-and-so's little brother okay cool yeah, yeah come like they don't even know you by your name sometimes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Uh, and, and just speaking of, uh, I, I know you were talking about Jeremy. So Jeremy is my brother. And so uh, I actually did, I started suitably full time. And at the time, Jeremy was just getting married. So, you know, having two people quit your, their jobs and put it on, on a, in a business full time is a, is a large step. We always want knew we, it would eventually happen, but uh, taking that type of risk was off the table. I mean, my parents already had a hard time swallowing that idea of entrepreneurship. So doing it, having both their sons do it, like, no, no, we, we had to, once we pro- proved our success a little bit, then they were, they were open to it. So, so yeah, he's full time. Uh, we share an office. He's there right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I think I saw him walk by and he was like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing? Okay, cool. I'll go back to do my work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're busy. We're busy right now. And it's uh, it's a good, it's good news. I mean, Considering what's happening with COVID, uh, it was definitely scary at first. But I think um, overall, unfor- I'm, well, this is my competitive side speaking. My competitors are, are, are having trouble, which is I'm inside I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, because we knew, I mean, it's nice to have a bunch of stores everywhere and have all this money to throw around. But when times like this happen, like you guys know, like you, you need to have backup plan for the backup plan for the backup plan for the backup plan and so we were ready we 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 tried to weather that storm and i think we we have nice and for me like this is kind of like thinking a little bit more like a look on that business side especially like you speaking like being a competitive do you find like what's a big lesson that you found like just doing business because i see a lot of like especially small business owners um I consult with a lot of them. They're always at the store. Like they're there, not because they love it, but they just want to be there to make sure everything runs smoothly. How have you overcome that? Always here. Oh. I haven't overcome it. I'm always here. So um, unless you're willing to pay somebody and give somebody some like equity or you always have to be here or to see what's going on. Um, obviously guys like Mark Cuban are different. They can have a bunch of businesses, but if this is your main business and it's not yet a large business, you just, you have to be here. There's no getting away. You and think you saying? hire people and, and they're competent enough to handle your problems. And then your new problems are managing those people. 
Mm-hmm. But it's always a new problem. I see. And would you say it's also your, it's something you guys have learned to love to do too. So it's in a way like it's your baby too. So that's, that's why right. you guys are still here. Yeah, we're not, not going to stop. We don't want to stop until we're number one. There's no stopping us. Yeah, and speaking of babies and having fun and stuff, you have a family and, and stuff like that. So does Jeremy. Like, what do you guys do like, with your family, especially during COVID times? Like, now we're kind of like able to have fun again. What, like, what do you guys yeah. do for, outside of a business? Man, just basic fun, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think COVID's taught us that you can be happy with basic stuff. You don't need to be at a restaurant. You don't need to be at a bar. You don't need to be, you know, at a f- happy hour or whatever it is. You can you just, you know, appreciate the basic cooking, uh, spending time at home with family, playing with toys, um, enjoying dessert. The basic fun, the way I guess our parents and grandparents used to enjoy life before uh, this crazy technology and iPads and going out and having fun and all this stuff it's basic fun right like i think yeah. it's a good i think it's a good lesson for humanity period um what's going on uh, yeah like it's it's the simple things like you go back to the simple things and like uh like, like if you go referring back to vietnam like they just hang out they sit the coffee like At the coffee cu- yeah the coffee cup is not even full because like yeah. most of the time they don't have money to afford the whole thing. So their coffee cup is like half each one. They're yeah. sipping it for like six hours, just sitting there. Yeah. It's yeah, just a on little a little thing. chair on the side of the seat. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just chilling there. Like even, it's funny. Like I've hang, hung out with like my uncles and friends in Vietnam and they're just sitting at that little chair. They're like, Oh, we don't have a table. Oh, there's that one in the corner grab that it's a tiny table that barely passes your knee you like you like sit down they're like okay you want a beer you ran, runs across the street like and you're surprised because they're you know in vietnam there's so many cars and they're like he just walks by like and they all it's like little it's like super tetris and he just walks by and he comes back oh yeah i got a few beers i got each of us one and you just sip on that for like yeah the whole the whole yep. like three hours and it's just yeah very basic cut, fun basic fun basic yeah. fun I mean, I mean, go, you know, North America is great. We have everything we need and we, we abuse and use and We're because, we, we, because we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what this pandemic is really showing is that you don't need, you don't need all that to be happy. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely true. Like, I mean, work, working out wise, I was working out like Trett showed me this app um, I think it was called the center app from Chris, Chris Hemsworth. And like, I was just doing all like the hit workouts and I was like, man, this is how people practice martial arts back yeah. then. Like no, yeah. just plain body weights. I'm like, and I was That's 30, fir- first 30 minutes, I was dying. I was just like, man, like I can't yeah. do a hit workout to save my life right now. But I just kept going at it. You realize you don't need a, a ton of weights all the time. Like you can have it every once in a while, but you need like that just, that natural pushing your own body with itself, with its the own body itself. I'm sure. Like, you know, what? like, have you picked up anything, uh, JS? Like, uh, anything new that you're like, oh, I didn't do this before, but I'm enjoying it now since I have time to. Yeah, I'm. I'm I've, I've downloaded this app called Strava for my uh, on my phone, my Apple Watch, and so I'm running like every day. I ran this morning at five thirty in the morning. So okay. it's, uh, okay. it's running, just running. It's fun. It clears your mind. It's uh, nice. It's good therapy. So I, I mean, I used to run, but not as regularly as now. So I've picked that up. That's been that's been really good. Yeah, and 
just traveling wise, did you get a chance to travel at all? Or like, it's mostly like right now with everything. Well, of course, before right now. Before the kids. Yeah. Before the kids. Yes. Now it's, it's, uh, it's harder because leaving my wife with the kids is, is tough. And so, um, yeah, less travel. And now with COVID, who knows, um, limited, I I'm dying to go back to Asia just because it's a completely different world. I want to eat good. I want to, <laughs> I want to relax. Yeah. You want to sit on that small chair. <laughs> Get that it. I do. I know. I just want to just watch the cars drive by and just That's like it. It, happy. No, it's funny because like when you're there, like those annoying like car honking and the car. It's actually peaceful. You're just yeah. chilling there. You're like oh, enjoy it. Not, not bad. <laughs> yeah, but then like two weeks later, three weeks later, you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go back on and at the airport on the plane, and it's all quiet. Nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, like it's the little things like that they take um i know my family i saw a family there and then uh we were staying with them and then afternoon everybody comes home and they take naps yeah. super quiet so Normal. if you try to go out during that time you have to wake somebody up to buy something which i've mm-hmm. unfortunately did but i didn't know i was just like um yeah. like, everybody took nap and it is quiet and i know why because it's hot at that noon time, you do not want to be out, and you yeah. people are like, "What are you doing? Like, go back inside and take a nap." Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll have you leave one quick advice and where people can find you. Sure. So. Um, one, I mean, what the one thing I would advise is um, uh, for anybody starting, you know, and, and wanting to get into the fashion business, uh, entrepreneurship, it's tough. It's tough. It's a very, very tough thing, but know your strengths because most people uh, always think of work on their weaknesses. Um, some weaknesses will never get good. Uh, I, I always say work on your strength because that's your bread and butter and use that. Like, you know, that one time in your life where things were hard, things were difficult and you dug deep and that was your strength. Same thing for good times. When good thing, things happen to you, when you're having success, there's that one thing that you've always relied on. So it's just knowing what that is and then building on that. So I would say that that's the, that's the, um, the, the advice I'd give. Uh, where, can, where can I be found? Um, look, I'm, very, I'm pretty active on social media. So Instagram, um, uh, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on those platforms. So that's probably the best way to reach me. Uh, and of course, uh, I'll definitely know you uh, if you buy a suit from uh, from our our business. No, no, absolutely, and yeah, I followed you too. I think Peter and I both were like, "Hey, we got to follow <laughs> uh, follow you and Jeremy." And and for everybody listening at home, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please make sure to like, follow, share all our hangout talks on all your listening devices: Spotify, Apple Podcast stations. My name is Tret from Mister Good underscore All on Instagram. And I'm Peter underscore the suited marketer, guys. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'm John Sebastian. Thank you so much. Uh, let, let's hear, JS, say your name one more time. Just <laughs> Jean Sebastian. There you go. I'm not, I can't beat that. So thank you so much for hanging out with us, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.